Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Today we're going to continue A Heart for God, and our scripture verse is, oh, I failed to give this to you, Steve, I failed to give this to you today. Thank you. Thanks, Sandra. Okay, our scripture verse is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and it is trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Remember, this is faith. Lean not on your own understanding. This is wisdom. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. That's surrender. And he shall direct your paths. And that is the victory. So last week we covered, uh, we talked about David's ancestors and the covenant that God gave to them and how they believed and walked by faith in that covenant. We talked about how that Gentile believers are grafted in by faith. And we receive the covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ when we believe on him as our Savior. So today we're going to continue studying about David. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, David and Goliath and, and the before and after uh, things that happen around that time. So... My introduction is, why did God make Israel his people? God did not choose them because they deserved it. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 through 9. And it says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all the people. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath, or in other words, the covenant, which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand, and he redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore now, that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So God is telling the Israel people, this, that is why I chose you, because I love you. In order, and he did it in order that they might become his channel of blessing to all people through the Messiah. And we read this scripture last week, but I'm going to cover it again today. This is the covenant that he gave to Abram in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. He said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So because God chose the people of Israel, he would never abandon them. But because they were his special nation, 
he also would have to punish them for dis- disobedience and turn them back to a right relationship with him. And that's what we see in the Old Testament. The, the Israelites continually, would wa- they would walk by faith and all of a sudden they would fall back in disbelief and God would have to punish them. Isn't that what happens in our life? We are walking so strong by our faith and trusting him and all of a sudden something happens and what does it do? It crushes us and makes us fall to our knees. And then somehow, some way, we have to remember who he is and, and stand back up believing and ask God to forgive us and to give us that faith to trust him once again. So now we're, we're going to, many years have passed. The Israelites have entered into the promised land of Canaan. The people are now under the leadership of King Saul. Saul was appointed king because the Israelites were looking at all the nations around them and saw they had kings and they thought, that's what we need. We need a king to help us, to lead us, to guide us. So they went before Samuel, the prophet, and they told him, we want a king. Samuel warned the Israelites and he said, the king, if he is to rule and govern you and he is not going by the will of God, he will be doing it by his own selfish desires, his own decisions. He will lead you into sin. You will be under bondage to the gov- government and you will be removing yourself from the leadership of God. And the Israelites said, we, we need a king. So what did Samuel do? He went before God and said, the Israelites are demanding the king. God said, give them what they want. I will, I will show you who to appoint as a king, but this is not my will. So God told him who to go find. So he, he went searching for King Saul. King Saul, he, he, it says he was tall and handsome. So he, he, you noticed him in a crowd. So when people saw him, they immediately thought, this is what we need. They were looking at his outward appearance. So we're at the point where right before David and Goliath, King Saul has been ruling the Israelites. God sent Samuel to King Saul and said, I want you to destroy the Amalekites. When they first entered into the promised land, the Amalekites were the first nation in that area that came at them to try to destroy them and went in in war with them. So the Lord sent Samuel and said, tell King Saul to destroy the Amalekites. Every man, woman, child, all the livestock do not leave anything remaining. In other words, this kingdom was so wicked, God wanted them completely annihilated because he knew if anything was remaining in that kingdom, that it would be, bring sin. There would still be sin. And it would influence the Israelites. But what did King Saul do? It says that when he went to battle with the Amalekites, he destroyed the men, women, and children, but he kept the king of the Amalekites, King Agad. And when I was thinking of this, I sort of thought he probably, in my mind, it was like a trophy. He kept him as a trophy so he could take him back and show the Israelites I destroyed his kingdom. Look at my trophy. This is who the man I destroyed his kingdom. And it says that he also kept all of the best of the livestock for his own personal needs. 
So Samuel was sent to Saul. I'm going to go to 1 uh, Samuel 15, 23. And it says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as the iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So this is what God sent Samuel to say to King Saul. So he was telling him that he was in rebellion and that he was being uh, stubborn. So when I look this up, the sin of divination is seeking to manipulate events, people, or the future spirits of the departed dead. So that's what divination is. Rebellion is the same thing. And I never thought about this until I was studying this. When I rebel against the Lord, it's a form of witchcraft. Because rebellion against God's word is like the sin that both involves the rejection of God's lordship and it attempts to manipulate the outcome. So when I'm in rebellion against the Lord, I'm saying, I want to do this my way, not your way. That's witchcraft. That's what divination is. Because divination is seeking to manipulate events through the dead. And when I do it my way, I'm doing it in my flesh, which should be dead. But I'm rising up that dead within me, saying that it is better than what God has. So it's, it's a form of witchcraft. And it says that uh, Saul's arrogance, he had an exaggerated opinion of himself. It's like idolatry. It focused the attention on yourself instead of God. So whenever, and I hope you're getting understanding what I'm saying because this really hit home to me. Because sometimes when God tells me to do something, I rebel and I say, God, that's, that's not what I need to do. So I'm going against his will and I'm standing in a form of witchcraft. I'm manipulating events, trying to make it happen my way, in my flesh, and not according to the Spirit, His way. And, and isn't it much easier sometimes we try to walk in the flesh because it's more comfortable and it's easier. And it, it's, it's much easier to walk that way. Because when we have to walk in the Spirit, we're going to have to say, No, Linda, you can't do that. We have to say no to our mind, our will, and our emotions. And those are the three things that get us in so much trouble. Because when we see something, and that's where the enemy tries to tempt us the most. When he can get us to look at something and start thinking about it. And if we reach out and try to touch it, take it, and we have it in our possession, that's when we start getting in trouble. So we need to remember not to be in rebellion and not to walk in arrogance as Saul did. When I was studying this, I thought it was ironic, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but when Samuel went in search for Saul to anoint him as king, he came upon Saul, and Saul was walking towards him. They were going toward uh, Saul and his, his uh, I think it was like a servant of their family. They were searching for a donkey that was lost. 
And they, they were looking for this donkey and they could not find it. So the servant says, a man of God is in the city over here. Let's go ask him where the donkey is. So that's what they do. They start walking towards the city close by them, searching for Samuel, trying to get him to tell them where the donkey is. So here comes Samuel, searching for Saul. Saul's walking towards him. So Saul is searching for a donkey. The donkey in the Bible is a symbol of transportation and humility. The donkey is what Jesus rode on. And they, and they shouted, Hosanna, and laid down the palm leaves. So the donkey was a form of transportation, and he humbly submitted to the person, the master that was riding him. So later, when Samuel was ready to present the Saul to the Israelites, Saul was nowhere to be found. He was hiding behind equipment. And God had to tell them where to go look for, where to find Saul. So Saul in a, was hiding himself because he was scared and he didn't think he was qualified enough to walk in the role as a king. So Saul had his false, sin, uh, false sense of pride. Even though his focus was thinking, I'm not good enough, he was still focusing on himself. I'm not good enough. I, I, I can't do this. I'm not able. I'm not worthy. I can't speak. I can't lead these people. I'm scared. So he was, I was walking in pride. Even though he was thinking it was humility, it was pride. Because, and yes, and it was false pride, because God could equip him to do everything. And that, was, that became Saul's greatest sin was his pride. So Saul had a false sense, false sense of pride, and it was deep-rooted in his life. And I, I hate to admit, but I, I walked in that at times in my life, many times, because I would, the Lord would tell me to do something, and I would say, Lord, I can't do that. I'm not qualified to do that. But Little did I know, he was trying to pull that out of me because I can't do this. I can't stand up here and teach. I can't stand up here and talk to you, but he can through me. And that's what he was trying to get Saul to see. So if Saul had submitted his life to God as David did, then what would the effects have been? So let's see. When, so that was Saul. All right, when Samuel went searching for David to anoint him as king, where was David? He was out caring for his, sheep, his father's sheep in the fields. And to me, that represents Jesus Christ caring for his sheep. We are his sheep. So David out there in the fields, when he was spending that time caring for his father's sheep, I can just see him. Can't you just looking up to the stars? God, you made all of this. You made it all. How unworthy am I to look at those stars and the vast the numbers of them to know that you care for me. That you care for me. And I can even see him out there with that slingshot. He, he was bored watching his, his father's sheep. So, And as a young lad... 
in, in my generation, this is what we did. I know kids nowadays play games, but we would look for stuff to make and things to do. So I can just see him picking up a stick one day, and it was a why. I'm going to make a slingshot. So he made a slingshot, and what did he start doing? Practicing, hitting stuff out there in the fields. And that was all in preparation of who God was gonna, what God was going to do in his life. So while David was on those mountains, he was not waiting, but he was in training. God was filling David with his will, wisdom and building his character. Okay, let's see. Go to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him for reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and he invited them to the sacrifice. So it was, I'm going to stop here for a second before I go on. Uh, when it says that he invited them to the sacrifice and they, they uh, had to, when they came, they sanctified themselves. What they had to do is they had to, take a bath. They had to clean themselves up before they went into the presence of God to make a sacrifice. So that's what it was. They had to cleanse their body. And then uh, Samuel anointed them for them to come into the presence before the sacrifice. It says, all right, and then it says, then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and he invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came, they looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So there was nothing extraordinary about David's appearance that would cause the Lord to be drawn to him, but it was his heart. So... Uh, whenever Samuel was looking at Eliab, and he was seeing this tall, strong, handsome man that was of age to rule an army and to lead a kingdom, God was saying, I'm looking at his heart. His heart is not what I need. I, uh, I have a quote I'm going to read to you by Bob Yandian. And he says, some people say faith moves God. That is not true. Faith doesn't move God. God has already moved. Faith moves us into position to receive what God has already done.
So when David was out there in those fields, watching his father's sheep, standing and walking and training for the Lord, the Lord was positioning him to be in the place that he needed him to be. So David trusted in, with all of his heart, and his faith positioned him to receive what God had already prepared. Okay, let's keep on going there, reading about where David is anointed. 1 Samuel 16, verses 8 through 13. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah. And Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen him. So Jesse made all seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And he said, are all the young men here? And Jesse said, there remains the youngest, and he is out keeping his father's sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. So they sent for Samuel and brought him, I'm sorry, they sent for David and brought him to them. He was ready with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the oil, horn of oil, and anointed David in their presence. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So Jesse and his brothers and Samuel and David were there that day when David was anointed. And it, the Bible doesn't really state what was said. But if Samuel was anointing David and Samuel was the prophet of God, you would have to know they would know it was for a purpose. I, I don't know if he said it's for, he's going to be king or he's going to, uh, you know, I don't know what it said. I was studying this and some commentaries said that he was just anointing David just for a, a fulfillment of God's calling. And some said that, uh, he couldn't have been anointing him as king because his brothers later on didn't recognize him as king. I don't agree with that. Because sometimes when we're called for God's purpose, and it, this was what, in effect what Jesus went through, Jesus was called the Son of God. His family didn't believe him. So even though we're called for a purpose and anointing, our family may not believe in us, but we still have to keep on walking. We st still have to keep on trusting, and that's what David did. So David still went out into the fields to care for his father's sheep after he was anointed king. And then one day, I'm going to go to 1 Samuel uh, 16, uh, 18. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Let me go back a little bit. Okay. I'm going to talk about this for a few minutes. Where it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. The Spirit that came upon David that day in the Hebrew is called Ruach. It is the breath, the Spirit of God. This is the same Spirit, which in the Greek is pneuma, that Jesus Christ sent to earth when he ascended up into heaven for the equipping of the saints. It is the same Holy Ghost 
that came down on the 120 when they were in prayer. And it filled the room, came upon their heads and as tongues of fire, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Numa is the Holy Ghost, and it came and gave them boldness and confidence in the Lord. And what did they do? They went out preached the gospel, cast out demons, healed the sick, raised the dead. They changed the world for Christ. The same spirit that came upon David that day to do a special purpose that God was calling him for was given through Jesus to us so that we, we can go out for a specific purpose doing what he has called us to do. And all we have to do is draw upon it. We have to draw upon it through prayer and worship and praise and faith and confidence. So that is the very same spirit that God gave David and now he gives it to us. So it, David would become king of Israel, but he had to wait 15 years walking, waiting. All right, let's go on to... Um, whenever it said that God gave David the spirit of God... When he gave it to David, it was removed from Saul. And the Bible says that a distressing spirit came upon Saul. And I believe what happened when that anointing was removed off of Saul, all of a sudden, the enemy came flooding in. And it, can you just imagine? I mean, you're under the covering of God. And all of a sudden, your disobedience caused that covering to be removed. And here comes Satan with an onslaught. And it, no wonder he started losing his mind. And we can relate to this with what is going on in the political arena today. And, I, I'm, you know, because we're under leadership that... And I won't go further, you understand. <laughs> but when we're not walking in the, the anointing of God... And under the rule of Satan and our flesh and our own desires, the enemy comes in with all these thoughts and these ideals and these things to tell us to do. And, and, and it just torments our mind. And we're just, we're so tormented and we're so, we don't know where to turn. We don't know what to do. And that's what Saul was under. And it says that he became so distressed and so overwhelmed and so down and despondent that they, they said, what do we need to do? So this, the, uh, his servants around him said, we need to find somebody to come in and play a harp. Music, what does music, praise music do? It soothes our, our tormented soul, doesn't it? Brings peace and comfort. So we need, they said, we need to find somebody to come in and play to soothe Saul's soul. So they searched for someone to come and play for King Saul to soothe his trouble so. 1 Samuel 16, 18. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is, a, who is skillful in playing, he is a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. So it was the wisdom in God in David that allowed others to see his character and his knowledge and skills are what attracted their attention. I hope that makes sense to you because it was his skills of being able to play music 
And it was his skills of, of being able to fight the lion and the bear. That's what others saw. They saw what he was doing in his skills. But then it was his wisdom in God that allowed others to see the character of who he really was, who he stood for with God. So what draws others to you? What do they see you? What do they see in you? Do you have skills and talents the Lord uses to make others see you? But then do you have the wisdom and the spirit of God within you that they can see the character of God shining through you? So think about your character. What does it reflect? The Philistines gathered their armies to bat, together to battle against the army of Israel, and they were facing each other in the valley of Elah. For 40 days, the giant Goliath, morning and evening, would go out before the Israelites with a challenge. Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Israel? I'm sorry, am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against them, you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So that this is the scene. We have the Philistines on one side and the Israelites on the other. And, it, and this, this was their Israelites' land. They had every right to fight the Philistines. They, they had no right to even be there. So every day this giant would come out challenging the Israelites. And here they stood looking at this giant. And they were standing in fear. Even their king could not go forward and fight. But when it says, choose a man for yourselves to come down and fight for us, the reason they said choose a man, remember we talked about covenant last week. Whenever, uh, if a man went forward to fight for the Israelites, it's, it was as if the whole kingdom of Israel was going forward to fight. Because that man stood for the whole kingdom of Israel. So he said, Send us a man, and if, if we, he wins, then we'll be your servants. That's what he was talking about. If your man beats us, we'll be your servants. So here comes David. His father, Jesse, sends him to go to the uh, army grounds and take food to his brothers and to see how they're doing. So David is arriving in the valley of Elah. And when he gets there, he sees all of this going on, and he sees the giant coming up, challenging the uh, Israelites. So I'm going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 23 through 26. It says, this is when David went up, and he's coming upon the scene, and he's hearing what's going on. And this is the scripture we're finding in our place in this moment of the scripture. It says, then as he talked with them, meaning David, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, 
Have you seen this man? They're talking to David. Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. He will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, what, and he said, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So here we have this young lad, about 15 or 16. He's coming on this scene where this Philistine, this giant, is coming down, out every day challenging the army of Israel, and he's saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? He comes in there with a solution because he already knows the answer because he knows who he's serving. And it goes on to say, let's see if I read all of that. All right, so what a difference a perspective can make. Most of the onlookers that day were seeing a giant. David, however, saw a mortal man defying the Almighty God. He knew he would not be alone when he faced Goliath. God would fight with him. He looked at the situation with the wisdom in God's point of view. He was viewing the impossible situation from God's point of view. And when we do that, when we look at the giants coming against us with God's point of view, we can say, who are you to come against me? In the name of Jesus, I defy you and I command you to go back to the pit of hell where you belong. We have the same authority and the same power and the same anointing that was given to David, given to us to command those things that come against us. We can say, you leave me alone in Jesus' name. I, we, t we speak to the, what's coming against us. And we speak with the authority given to us. And we tell the enemy what he can do, where he can go, how he can get there, who he can take with him. And we tell him, you get out of my life. You leave me alone. You have no purpose. You have no right to get, enter into my life, to enter into my children's life, to enter into my home. You remember the war room and I love this part where Priscilla, I can't remember her char character she played, but she said, Satan, you get out of my home. That's what we need to do. We have the authority to tell the enemy where to go. God, Jesus has given us that authority by believing in him. So what happened when David started talking and speaking to, uh, to these men and, and asking them all these questions, his brothers started mocking him, started criticizing him. What are you doing him? Who here? What do you think you, you, who do you think you are? So people may try to stop us with, our, with their negative comments. And I want to tell you this. Your family, and I don't know why this happens, but your family is the ones who don't believe in you the most. And I think it is because they've seen who you've always been. And they can't see who God is calling you to be. So you keep walking by faith and trusting to the Lord and going towards what God's calling you to. And someday your family will realize 
hey, she, she was walking for God. She was doing what God commanded her to do. So even though David's brothers were ridiculing him and, and making fun of him, David knew that he was walking in what God told him to do. Oh my, I'm running out of time. <laughs> it's time for us to stop. Um, so David had a strong foundation of his past of what God had done for him. I'm going to finish with this and we'll have to do Goliath and David next week. So David's, David knew that he had killed the lion. He had killed the bear that had come against the sheep. And he knew what he was standing upon. God had been with him then and God was still with him now. So when it, it came time for them look to for him to decide if he was going to do it, he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. So it says that, uh, let me see if I have time to read this one last scripture. Let's see how long it is. Yeah. 1 Samuel 17, verse, uh, cha- I'm sorry, verse 37. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, Go, the Lord be with you. So here we have Saul telling David, Go. I, I mean, here this young lad is ready, getting ready to fight the army of the Lord. It says that Saul reached out and tried to put his armor on David. And David started putting on Saul's armor. And can, I mean, Saul was tall. Here we have David. And he was putting on this armor. And of course, it's not going to fit him. But David says, I cannot walk in these, for I have not tested them. And he took them off. When I read this, the Lord showed me, we have to walk in the path the Lord calls us to. We cannot put on somebody else's calling. We cannot walk the way somebody else does something. We have to walk in the authority and the anointing that God has called us to. Just like David, he was skilled with that slingshot. And he was skilled with his words. He was a passionate man that wrote poetry. And I'm sure he was out there in the fields on those mountains talking to God, sharing, writing poems in his head. And, 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 but he knew who he was. Do you know who you are in Christ? Maybe your purpose is to be the best mom, the best grandma, the best wife, the best husband. But you can also, also be the one who goes out and speaks to others. Whatever role God has called you to be in, allow the Lord to show you what that is. And you walk forward into that. So when he, uh, David said, I have not tested these, Saul said, go, and the Lord be with you. And David went forward. So next week we're going to talk about David and Goliath. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for your love for us. And Father, I thank you that you sent your son to die for us and that he arose again and he ascended into heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit, Father, down to equip and prepare us. And Father, we have a path and a purpose to walk in for you. And Lord, I pray that you will reveal that more and more because God, I know that this church was put in this region, in this city for a purpose and a vision. And Lord, we're about to step into that future. 
And Lord, we, not, we cannot depend upon the staff and the apostle and the pastoral staff. We are all called to, for a vision and a purpose to walk in a plan that you have called us to. So Lord, equip us, prepare us. And Lord, you've been preparing and training us for many, many years. And now is the time, Lord. And we go, we, I pray that you will help us to go forward into the future, Lord, equipped and prepared for battle. Because the battle is yours, Lord. And we are the arms and hands and hearts extended, Lord, that will bring about the victory, bringing in the salvation of lost souls for you, Jesus. And be in the service that is to come, Lord, and your anointing and your blessing be upon us. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.